0: we rolling we
1: are now rolling alberta
0: filmmakers podcast me 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 okay
1: um, hey scott westby how's it going i'm good how are you good uh i'm matt waterworth uh and this is the alberta filmmakers podcast
0: I'm Scott Westby. Uh, we are Full Swing Productions, and every episode we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media landscape. So, Matt, why is the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast?
1: Yeah, since it's since this is the very first episode, let's just quickly talk about uh, why we decided to do this, and that, and that's I, I think to really uh, build up our own industry. It's a like you've said before that it's kind of a, a way of uh, adding connective tissue to all the separate parts that we have. Um, and we're going to do that by promoting everything from Kickstarter campaigns to um, people's films and screenings and all that stuff. Um, and we also want it to be a resource for uh, keeping you on top of deadlines and latest news and all that stuff. And we also want to make sure that we are keeping uh, a strong archive of some of the, the, the great people who are veterans of our industry. Um, I want to get those stories on tape. So um, it's all about, yeah, bettering. The industry itself and and
0: telling Alberta's film industry story which isn't being told very well um, just because there isn't really a resource to do it I think so uh, if you have a story that you want to tell let us know send it our way we'll tell you how to do that uh, at the end of the show yeah if you're interested enough to listen to this
1: podcast this is about you uh, because it's for you and and we want to hear what's going on in your world and what your story is so how do we break that down? How's the How's the podcast going to break down, Scott? The nuts and bolts of what it is.
0: Right. So we'll start with uh, news you can use. So what's going on in the industry, uh, big announcements, uh, job opportunities, and stuff like that. Uh, and then we'll move on to a larger interview portion. So uh, we'll tell who our special guest was uh, in a few minutes here. But uh, we'll talk to someone in the industry, find out what their story is, what they've got going on right now, what they've got coming up. And then uh, the show will end Uh, Every episode with dates and deadlines, um, upcoming workshops, uh, and things that uh, might appeal to emerging and uh, established filmmakers. And then, of course, uh, final show notes and just chatting about uh, wrapping it all up.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's get right into it. First episode, uh, we just missed the Calgary International and the Edmonton International Film Festivals. They just wrapped up. Uh, and they, lots of great news coming out of that, those festivals, and, and obviously every year a really great uh, ex, uh, piece of exposure for Alberta filmmakers, including a guy named Olaf Blumeris, uh, who just won the uh, Alberta Spirit Award for his short film, Hello World. He rocks, and congratulations to you, Olaf. That's uh, a great film. Um, also congrats to uh, John Osborne in Edmonton, who won the Edmonton International uh, Film Festival's Spirit of Edmonton Award for his film a Walk, Don't Wait. Um, Benjamin Ross Hayden is beginning principal photography on his uh, feature film called The Northlander. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it probably has started on October 14th. Uh, and uh, he is a recipient of the Telefilm Micro Budget, uh, and we wish him well on that production. Uh, Beth Wishart McKenzie has been invited to present her recently completed documentary film, Brothers in the Buddha, at the upcoming Parliament of the World's Religions in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is very cool. Uh, And Brandy Yanchik uh, has a new documentary called Employment Matters and Employment Matters 2. It's airing on CBC's documentary channel in November of 2015, and thanks to Ampia for those updates.
0: Yeah, congrats to all those filmmakers. Uh, Great work, and keep pushing. So uh, studio, the studio in Calgary, uh, the Calgary Film Center, of course, is uh, still in construction. um, And everyone's eagerly waiting on any tidbit of news. Uh, And there was a tidbit last week uh, with the Calgary Herald where the CEO of William F. White International uh, kind of expressed his hopes for the long-winded Calgary Film Center to expand within a year of operation. So I'll just paraphrase briefly um, what was said in that article. And of course, you can see the rest in the show notes. So the Calgary Film Center is still months away from opening its sound stages to film and TV productions. But Paul Brompman is already predicting an expansion of the facility within a year. The chairman of CEO uh, of William F. White said word is getting out about the long awaited $23 million film studio, which will begin renting out its three sound stages in the first quarter of 2016. Brompman said that his biggest concern is lack of capacity. So he says with three, with three stages, you can only do one big movie because you need two stages and one swing stage. So he thinks this place will be sold out real fast, which would be a good problem to have, uh, and hopefully we will be in a position to add space, he would hope, within a year. So you should definitely check out that story uh, and keep updated on the studio as it progresses. And we're going
1: to try to keep uh, on top of it as that's happening and and hopefully get Luke Azevedo on the podcast to tell us some more details about that, so stay tuned. Uh, Ampia has produced an awesome federal election backgrounder uh, that you can use to help make your decision when you go to the polls on October 19th. Uh, it lays out some really great points uh, as far as the arts and media industries um, from each party and, and what their plans are if they were to be in power. Um, definitely give it a read before you vote, and uh, you can find that in the show notes. Uh, just wanted to briefly talk about as well the, uh, all the TV series that shoot in Alberta. We're lucky enough to have many. Sadly, we're losing two. Uh, Hell on Wheels has shot its final scenes after five seasons and surviving that massive uh, flood that wiped out it, its entire set. Um, Fargo is back on the air and it's getting great reviews. Heartland is also back on the air for its ninth season. Last year, it became Canada's longest running one hour drama and tiny plastic men is back into production for season four. And also in Edmonton, uh, Prairie Dog Entertainment announced that, uh, they've completed their final season of Blackstone, which was season five. It's going to start airing on APTN on November 5th. So sad to see two shows go, but hopefully making some room for some, some new stuff too, like young drunk punk, which is now airing on CBC. Uh, which is interesting because that may lead to its second season um announcement we hope soon um so that's what's going on in uh in tv in the in the series world um and now we were gonna jump right into uh, an interview with Spencer Esterbrooks uh great conversation with Spencer I really had a, a blast talking to him we walked through his whole his whole journey becoming a filmmaker his uh, his path from uh Red Deer to BC and and back again and um some really interesting information as far as, like, distribution for uh, for short films, which is he's kind of one of the few people to to have, have a short film get real distribution, which was an interesting conversation. And uh, since this interview, he screened his project, Legend of the Lich Lord, which is kind of season two of his web series, which we talk all about. Um, and at the premiere, he actually... Uh, proposed to his longtime girlfriend and producer Emily. And they took a video of that, which you can see online as well. We'll put that in the show notes.
0: Um, Yeah, and something a really interesting thing uh, to be paying attention to as we're chatting with Spencer is about uh, the general theme of building your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're getting into an age now where it's becoming more and more important to come, not only with a great script and a great property and cast and all that, but having your own audience come with you. So if you're an actor, Getting a Twitter profile, getting as many followers as you can uh, is important. Same goes for any type of, of filmmaker. So, um, yeah, something to pay attention to because Spencer is doing that really, really well and uh, some good tips from him on that front. So, without further ado, here's Spencer.
2: <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, great. Uh,
0: so, yeah, just wanted to learn about you
1: as a, as a filmmaker and kind of like do the this is your life from the top. Uh, tell, wow. us, tell us about your parents.
2: Uh, <laughs> maybe my, not,
1: maybe not that far back, but
2: <laughs> my, my mom my mom is a, a weightlifter. Oh, really? She was uh used to work for mode models, and now she's uh, powerlifting. She just took three gold medals in Argentina last year.
1: <laughs> that's crazy! I know. Is gold. this real? Yeah. I'm what? like I was like because I was buying when you <laughs> called and said no I'm not coming like and I was I was like oh yeah that's fair you're editing I understand but then, no no I'm here right now. I don't know if you're jiving no, with us. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I, I,
2: I, I really, I'm gonna try and do a documentary called Muscle Mom That's about awesome. my powerlifting mother.
1: <laughs> I can't believe you haven't already tapped <laughs> that. That's
2: great. So she well, just like, won the awards last year. Like it's, you know, she doesn't like the way she looks in her onesie. So right, right, right. How much it's can she sensitive. lift? Uh, I don't know, 170 or yeah. something like that. More than That's me. Crazy anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like just, more just, than I weigh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> tough. Holy smoke. My smokes. mom could kick your mom. Yeah, clearly. Oh yeah. Wow. Poor Arse. She could kick my you can, you can You can swear. Can
0: swear. Yeah. You Perfect. Can
1: swear. <laughs> so, but how did you, how did you find your way into this crazy thing we
2: call filmmaking? God, I don't know. I'm so old. It's hard for me to remember back then. I think when I was in high school, I was good at like drama and computers. And I thought if you mush, mush those two together, it ended up in film. And then, uh, yeah, I did a Bachelor of Arts in film studies. In, where at? Uh, Edmonton okay. with uh, Bill Beard. Oh, is that where you're from? Uh, no, Red Deer originally. Oh, okay. So... Um, small farm out there, and cool. uh, yeah, and uh, I got out of the world, and you know, I'm just like, hey guys, I've spent four years, you know, cultivating opinions about film, and I was really surprised no one wanted to pay me for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, oh, so then I, so then I went because uh, I like to waste money on education. Mm-hmm. I thought it best to go to uh, a, a film school. Mm. And find out um, how bad schools can be, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, but it's you know it's the same thing. I mean, people love 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 film schools, and like they they do serve a purpose. Because mm. I I try and tell people don't go to a film school. They're mm. just like they will never ever listen to you.
1: And there are some where you can pay the same tuition. As everyone else, but still not get to direct a film, right? Like there are, where there are only four films getting made and you might grip and do sound and that's all you get to do.
2: Yeah. right. Like, and if you want to learn to be a grip, just go on set. Like, right, right, exactly. There's, there's, that, yeah. there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You don't need a, uh, a diploma right. to, to do that. Yeah. So what you end up with is a class full of directors. Mm-hmm. The only good part about film school is the people that you meet there. I find that um, those... So that suffer with you, mm-hmm. uh, give you a united cause right. to get out in the real world. So, and then you stick with those uh, filmmaking people mm-hmm. for a while.
0: Yeah, that's what we say too. Is that that's the most valuable thing that we both got out of state was the, the network. network. Yeah, yeah. was you're, you're growing with thirty people at the exact same time, and you've got friends that you can tap into. Yeah,
2: yeah. and and everybody ends up doing different stuff. But again, there's so much crossover. Absolutely, of yeah. course. It's and true. you know, yeah. I think I think it's good too that you know you can like. Uh, when you start looking at teams that produce and direct each other's stuff, like those, I think end up being the most successful because you kind of swap out directing and producing, mm-hmm. yeah. help each other on the projects, and your your team because it's not, yeah. not a not an individual sport. Totally, it's definitely, totally, yeah. No.
1: That's exactly how Full Swing Productions was born. Our first our first out of school project together was a uh, Hey, will you direct this for me, and I'll direct something, or will you produce something for me, and I'll produce something for you later on? Because of course, we didn't think there was much fun in producing. That's not true. We realized, but uh, but it, it was uh, that was how we we started. Yeah, it was just the tra- that trade off. Yeah, so uh, so where were you going to school? We uh, I went. I went, to, I went to Victoria. It was in Victoria. Yeah. So then you came back to I, you know, I
2: bummed around to Victoria for a little while because Victoria is uh, beautiful and yeah. um, without a lot of money, you can actually live quite a quite a a luxurious life as a hobo, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you know, I was, I was with CSIF. I did, I did you know stuff up there and was on the board oh, and cool. a bunch of stuff like that. And then CSIF came, in, or oh, sorry, uh, not CSIF, um, Cinevic. Oh, they're, sorry. they're equivalent.
1: Yeah. They're equivalent. Right. Okay.
2: Cool. Um, Cinevic. Yeah. Nice. So what made then, you head this way? Um, you know, there's some family issues that brought me back to Red Deer and then I moved in, uh, to Calgary. And just started doing like freelance video, videography kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I'm not the best businessman. So uh, I think if you want to do the freelance videographer, you really have to be like a hard-nosed businessman. Right. Just to make ends meet. Sure. You know, and I I tend to be a little more uh, soft and uh, care about projects more. So, um, and then I guess I started writing grants. Um, You know, the first ones didn't go well. uh, But then I do this thing where... You know, they have these grant writing workshops and you go there. Here's the secret to writing grants is you write your grant before it's due. Oh, <laughs> and That can't you, be right. And then <laughs> you take it to one of these grant writing workshops and you show the person oh. and like say, what do you think of this? And they look it over and give you really good advice. Nice. Take their advice and just do what they say. So don't do it the night before. Don't do it the night before. Okay. All right. Um it's 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 like it's like it's like homework. Right. Know, the first yeah. time I ever wrote an essay a week before it was due, I got a nine on it. I was like, Oh, now I get it. Right. If I do something, you know, the night before it's due, it's rushed.
1: Yeah. It's anytime anytime I last minute something, I'm always like oh, there are five more things I want to do. If only I had more time. Make this so much better. That
2: said, I just finished *Legend of Lich Lord* uh, and sent it off to be uh, turned into a DCP, and it's screening on Saturday. Wow! Oh, right, so that's so, a fairly short turnaround. short
0: turnaround. Yeah, yeah. But so that's
1: kind of how it goes. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think procrastinating had anything to do with that. No, I think that's just
1: no, a no, that was me getting... project.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I got I got I got bogged down this weekend with dust particles. I wanted dust particles in the elven grove, but it's all handheld and. Uh. Uh, so it has to be motion tracked. Right. And then it's like five K dust layers right. applied on top. Yeah. Um, and I just it just like there's so much in the Elven Grove. There's a good like eight minutes and a whole bunch of shots. So it just it. And it, it can it cannot exist without dust particles. <laughs> what? no? It's one, of those, it's one of those one of those downward spirals you get into where you do it to one shot, you fuck around for a bit, you're like, oh, you know what? I love it. That looks great. I'm gonna do it for all the shots. Yeah. And about halfway through, you're like, oh no. <laughs> What have I done to myself? Added, <laughs> I'm in a hole. 40 hours of editing. Great. I'm in a hole, but you're like, oh, that first shot looks really good, <laughs> and then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, like if it doesn't look good, I'll just mute the whole freaking layer. Oh, of it. Right, right. Right. I don't care. I don't. Well, I was actually, I, I was actually going to put like little sunbeams in it as well, but um, halfway through the, adding the dust particles, I'm like, screw the dust beams. I'm over <laughs> it. I'm over it. I don't have. Again, I've got some pretty hard deadlines with like, yeah. Slurs, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, why don't we talk about One Hit Die? Because it, it, that that is a what would you call that? A feature film in the world of One Hit Die, or?
2: Yeah, I you know I think I don't really know what it is. I think it's it's new and it's interesting. You know, I think I'll tell you the story of One yeah, Hit Die. Yeah, sure. So uh, the first One Hit Die was um, I actually wrote a grant for the Canada Council, and uh, I phoned them up to talk about it after I submitted and I mentioned it was a web series, and they're like, oh, web series, oh. Done. You don't get one. We don't handle web series. I was like, I was like, damn. Yeah. (laughs) Should have should have thought that out before. Um, But uh, I think I had it all written already. So AFA, I think, was shortly like a couple months later in February. I submitted that, and I got I got the grant. And uh, um, yeah, because they're not they're they're a lot more uh, friendly towards web series. Right, right, right. So we did that, and I had so much fun doing it. Uh, we did a Christmas special right um, yeah and then you know it's just uh, the whole web series world was a, a big it's, there's a lot going on I there. remember we were in we were
1: in Toronto I think must be
2: around this time when
1: Tiff was going on and there was a web a pretty big web fest happening yep. right afterwards or right around it, and Toronto I saw, web festival yeah, yeah and I saw that uh, One Hit Die was part of that which is cool yeah, yeah.
2: Um, you know the web festivals are, are, are amazing amazing events but I find that like it's it's just it's just so strange because you look at like most festivals and they've all got this taboo about like oh your short films online oh we won't play it right. ever oh that's been online sorry not gonna play it ever, whereas a web festival it's like, you know yeah, some stuff's not online but it's like, it's gonna, like it's it's everything is mostly online right. there yeah so mm-hmm. you know you can have an online web festival that doesn't have the same cachet as these other festivals and there's, there's a bunch of them popping up. And they're really fun and cool to go to, because, um, you get to see some of the best web stuff that's out there, right. and it's it's more like a discovery of discovering what's out there, because I think you know on YouTube there's just it's such a huge sea of people and Absolutely. sea of projects yeah. you can't really sort them out. And if they do kind of pop up for a, for, for a moment, like a little blip on the radar, they disappear just as quickly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I'll notice that because I look at my, my stats too on what it does. It's been online. Yeah. It two years. Right. Um, you know, I, like we did... I think we did fairly well. We got like, I think, 15,000 in our first week. Like our first hit was hard on, on our episode one. And then I think on all four episodes, we've got about 20 or 80,000 views total. Wow. So nice. uh, it's not... We're not great, but we're not terrible. Right. But every now and again, I'll, I'll look at and I'll just see like uh, you know I was giving a little little talk and I was showing them some of the some of the analytics of YouTube. Yeah. Nice. And I saw a huge spike of like 500. And I was like, what? And yeah, Google's or a YouTube suggested video. Perfect. Suddenly we came up on a YouTube suggested video. Wow. Some glitch of the matrix. Some, their algorithm found it some somewhere. Just, yeah. And then it killed it just like the next day. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, I know. It's like I just I don't understand. Um, you know how that, how those, how those works of, yeah. of the SEO stuff, but. Uh,
0: sure. um, so f- for for people who don't necessarily know what One Hit Die is, could you give oh. like the one liner and maybe where to find it?
2: Oh yeah, so One Hit Die you can find it at onehitdie.com. dot com. It's uh, I describe it as uh, Lord of the Rings meet, meets the Office, a D&D anD D meta mockumentary, and so it's a kind of fantasy comedy and. Uh, uh, follows an a, adventuring party that are uh, on a quest of some sort. They, the quests vary from uh, season to season, right now, and basically we jump into interviews whenever we want. And we shoot it like a documentary. It's all handheld, um, you know. So and, and that's basically it. And I think that. You know, people are like, "Oh, well, you know, do you ever like are these characters ever gonna have real world counterparts?" And I'm like, "Well, maybe if they meet a proper gnomish illusionist, I can, like, <laughs> confuse them." But like, other than that, I, I like this. I like this fantasy world that I've, that that's there, where I can bend and break rules as I want. Right, and right. People are smart enough to pick up on the style, uh, and I think we're fun and funny enough that they don't really like. Yeah, you can tear it apart intellectually. But that's not fun. It's fun to watch these characters. Yeah. We've got... And, yeah, with uh, what we've done so far, we received uh, a community grant from TELUS to do another uh, uh, 10 episodes. Right. And I shot, because I'm crazy, I wrote a lot, and then I shot, like, another 20 minutes of footage and then just packed it into a feature-length film. Ah, cool, cool. So... And you know the way I wrote it was it had a beginning, middle, and an end. It just had like cliffhangers every seven right. minutes. Right. Right. Sure. So, <laughs> fair <laughs> so fair enough. Yeah. So
0: is it also? And this is Legend of the Lich Lord now, which is coming out uh, at Calgary International. Although mm. when this airs, that might have already happened. Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah.
2: Um. So is that going to be split up into episodes as well? Yes. Okay. And those will be those will be online as well. I'd still like to like uh, you know, it's just it's just it's such a hard world, right? Because I think we've got a really solid feature project. But, like, again, most distributors are like, oh, it's on YouTube? I don't never, want it. Right. Yeah, don't right. want it. Yeah. But at the same time, YouTube's such a big C, it'll sit there, like, and, uh, and no one will no one will pay attention to it, right? Right. Um, it's true. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, I noticed, that, like, last year at the Calgary International Film Festival, I'm sure they didn't do it intentionally, but there were, I think, three shorts in the Best Shorts competition that were already online. Right. I saw them on Facebook. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah,
1: but like so. But I've heard like Sundance doesn't care; they're 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 screening purely on merit and and artistic integrity. They don't care if people have seen it already. They're not as far as online. They do want like a world premiere festival. But it, I guess it depends festival to festival, right?
2: Yeah, and I you know I I think because that's you know when I look at these. You know, I think. I think. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, well, it's great to be with YouTube. Everyone can be out there for free, but like, or like, everyone has a chance to be discovered. But like, discover is really hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and that
1: number keeps going up. That stat about how how like, much content every per every hour. Day is, there's yeah. 80 hours yeah. uploaded to YouTube or something like that now.
2: So when I look at like festivals and like, you know, even just other outlets, other venues, other things besides YouTube, I just see them as as like little audience chunks, right? It's how do I. Share what I'm doing with different right. people and grow my audience, mm-hmm. and I think the best way of doing that is by like you know spreading your content out. Um, right now, One Hit dies is only on YouTube. Um, I've just been I've been meaning to put it out onto like Daily Motion and these other places just because there's uh, different audiences there. Different audiences yeah. and it increases your chance of
1: discovery. You That's know? interesting. I didn't know that. Um, what about Vimeo? Like I know that Vimeo doesn't have the same kind of community that YouTube does.
2: I'd love Vimeo. I think yeah. Vimeo's great. But it's the
1: better player I think in the but it, it just doesn't seem to have it's and it, it, for good reason I think doesn't seem to want to build a community of of you know the YouTuber community that the top YouTubers have gotten to where they are from you know leeching off each other doing collaboration videos and and eating into each other's audiences and so mm-hmm. a lot of them have the same audience. But but Vimeo doesn't want to go that way and I like that because they they seem like they're much more like super high quality content.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I but daily
1: Motion's interesting. I didn't, I I mean, I'm sure they all have their own little pockets of audience and that's where they, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean like it it depends on what kind of content you have and how much you, uh, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough that I apply for grants Mm -hmm. um, and I can handle a lot of the post production and uh, stuff myself so that most of our money ends up on screen. Right. And you know, the only thing I'm out at the end of the day is elbow grease. Right. Um, that's pretty amazing but uh, you, know, I, you know I I say that but there's also like of marketing course. costs and yeah. there's other of course yeah. you know you end up spending a lot more on your uh, infrastructure so where was your first film when you came back or
1: did you do one in, in oh Victoria, I've or? always been doing little films okay.
2: I, you know I, I've, I had done like a couple little like absolutely no budget short films on like nickels and Prayers and then uh, I started like applying for grants at the time and um, I think I was rejected for uh because uh, I had this documentary idea called "I Was Canadian: A True Story of National Identity, Globalization, and Beer," looking at the rise of microbreweries uh, against these gigantic. It was going to be like the corporation, but for beer. Right. Right. Yeah, that that that's probably around the circle. The little guy versus sure. the big. Yeah, got gotcha. you. Yeah, and like, and, and it was all about Canada. Like, Molson had just been bought by you know, uh, um, Coors Light or oh. the Coors Brewery. Yeah. Right. And even even now, that I think the the two SB Miller and and um, uh, and busch like the and Bush, They're about to. Um, they've already merged. Um, what's the other one? Labatt. Or? No, it's the one that owns Labatt. Yeah, yeah. Um, just the just
0: beer, at the part. beer company. But that was always yeah. that was what was so ridiculous
2: was that now Canadian is owned by an American company. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and then uh, then I then I got a, I pitched a, I pitched this project and I just met Greg Jeffs at the time through uh, Matt Eakin who because I. I drove out to uh, the great Canadian beer festival and shot a bunch of stuff as a teaser of the great Canadian beer festival, with Matt Eakin and Matt Eakin was working at White's. he introduced me to Greg Jeffs ah. who was looking for a director to work with. Um, and so we had a, we had a drink and he pitched me this one idea and I said, look, I've also got this like zombie Western I applied for. And, um, he was like, yeah, I'm sure I'd, I'd love to be a, like, I'd love to produce that. I'm like, okay, great. And, um, uh, yeah, and then I got the grant, so I phoned him up like, "Hey, I got uh, I got money for this," and he's like, "All right, let's do it." Wow! So awesome. and yeah, we did that, and I was like, you know, that was a really big production for us, and I learned a lot.
1: So I don't even know where I saw it, but who who was your lead in that? What's his Mike name? Mike Shepard. I saw Mike in another western that you did, somewhere. And it looked like Drumheller, maybe. Or... Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: I did. What I, um, there was a, a recent one I just did called the Sugar Skull Man. He played a bartender.
1: Right, but you didn't do another one where he was a cowboy before that.
2: Uh no not before well, maybe I'm thinking of just Deadwalker. but he he was also in uh, Sharkasaurus. yes of course yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, he was also we did a, a another little web series a little known web series called the Protector Chronicles yeah where is that uh that's just sitting online that right. was uh, you know that was that uh, was a fun little experiment too right um,
1: um so this this connection between you and Greg has been very fruitful yeah yeah we've been working together for a long time. Mm-hmm. So and uh, a ton of projects. So with Deadwalkers, uh, what was so interesting for me about it, and at that time I was, I think we were just kind of starting. I know John Moxness worked on it, and he mm-hmm. was in our class, and we were we were all kind of just starting to figure out what the heck this world was all about. Um, but what blew my mind about it was that you got distribution on a short film, which is pretty uncommon. Can you speak to that at all?
2: You know that was that was Greg Jeffs, and uh, he basically. You know, he really cared about what, fest- what festival it played at and when. So, I think our first festival was the uh, Toronto After Dark Film Festival. Okay. And we opened before Dead Snow. So, there was, that holds 1,200 people and it was a sold-out wow. show. Wow, nice. So, and then our second stop was at the Film for Fright Festival. So, uh, and they only accept three, they accepted three horror films. Wow. Um, you know, but that was, you know, like that, the film itself too was, uh, it was kind of unique at the time. Because we actually shot it on, on red. Um, that was
0: when the red was pretty new, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah That's right. New.
2: And then I actually I took it and did a, um, I put it on 35mm film as well. Oh, wow. Oh. That so, couldn't have been. How much was that? <laughs> uh, well, it felt a lot cheaper for me. Because where I was working at the time, uh, I had access to these uh, things called the Airy Laser, so, um, uh, which are 35mm uh, film recorders. Great. So I was able to actually do like a 4K print of the film like on it and then use the connections that we had with our lab to get a job so i mean all in i think i like 10 minutes of film from red was about 1500 dollars wow amazing and most of that is for the optical print yeah just because we can't you can't print optically on 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 those things because film is actually really cheap it's more the the price of the machine that does it so right
1: Hmm. So, but, but how did, how did the distribution come about? Is that why you went to 35 because a distributor wanted that or? I, you
2: know, I'm not too sure. I think, I think what happened was, uh, Greg knew the distributor. Uh, there was a lot of hype about the film. I mean, it's a zombie Western with a 35 millimeter print. So it was pretty much in demand. I think that's one of the reasons why I played it the film for a fright. Right. Festival. right. like a great screening. You know, I still have a 35 millimeter print, uh, of it, um, and I think the distribution deal came out of that right? Um, just through just through talking uh, to people and just being like, hey, look, these are the film festivals we played. They're all known film festivals. As soon as we hit film for Fright Fest, we started to get a – like it was one of those uh, – You um, had to sort you play a couple big festivals and then suddenly people are asking for your short to play at the festivals. Wow, yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's – you know, as soon as you're in that groove, then – It's and a good it's place really to be, well, yeah. But then there's, there's always that moment where I'm like, oh, hey, so when you want me to ship you the $35 mid prints, I'm like, hey, just uh, send me a DVD. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> like, oh, no. I'm like, well, you know, I've got access to like HD cam SRs and HD cam. I mean, do you want that? Like, no, DVD. I'm like, Blu-ray? Beta SP? <laughs> At least so, HD. Or digital, <laughs> And just like, technically a DVD would do as well, you know? just <laughs> Damn. I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, that's frustrating. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the problem too right now with 35 millimeter prints is having a qualified projectionist to run it. Right, but, yeah. You know, because um, I, I, I screened, there was one screen and I screened a bunch of the shorts and we were at the end of it. And so, you know, the it, it was it's pretty exciting because all the screen... All the, all the film screen and then some of the curtains widen out, right? Because we're going to play Right, right. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the two, three, five aspect ratio right. on 35 millimeter film. But they didn't test it before. Oh, no. And uh, it was just like, it was all like wrong size. So it was oh, cut no. off and it's like, you know, there's, there was it was almost acceptable but then there was one moment where someone's eyes just left the top oh, of the no. frame. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, oh God. Brutal. Yeah. So it's, I, I, I love I love the thirty I love film, but I, you roll the dice for sure. Yeah. Film is dead yeah. right right. Uh, and I love DCP right now. It's a great way to like project and I feel so confident with color grading and yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, DCP is a lot better what,
1: what for those who don't know what is what what do you mean when you say dcp?
2: Oh, uh, the digital cinema package, so it's just another way of distributing your film and it's it takes your RGB and turns it to an x, y z color space into like a jpeg two thousand image sequence. But the end result is. Um, when I grade in like Rec. 709 color space and I'm looking at the actual film uh, or on my monitor, mm-hmm. when I watch it in a theater, it looks the exact same. Oh. And that's just so nice. That is important. Great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's great. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: and it, Yeah. Because there's, there's, you know, for a while there, there was a lot of guesswork, you know, and like how, how far you can pull your blacks down. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. And you kind of have to
0: play it safe with a lot of that stuff or yeah. used to.
1: Yeah. 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 So, and we can cut out anything that you don't want to talk about, but I cool. wonder if we, could we get into anything as far as, as the money side of things? Was it, was it, was it valuable to go with distribution? Are you happy you did?
2: I, you you it make I mean, sense? No, it was, it was great. But like, it's one of those things where, you know, I think short films are always about exposure. Um, like, I think we made maybe $1,500, 1700 uh, off of it, but that barely cost my, covered that, the film print. Right, yeah. right, yeah. You know, but... The, again having distribution um, its a, it's that thing that gets you into other markets right it yeah. gets people to see your mm. film and see your work um, you know I think uh, that's the new commodity right now is or will be soon will be the audience right it's just being able to like find your audience right and 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 connect with them and mm. that's I think that's where mm-hmm. um, you know the, the, as you're gonna find out with, the, with the, even with the podcast that's you know, it's finding your audience, connecting with them and listening to their feedback. And, right. And they'll, you know, if you're good to them, they'll be good to you. Right. I'm talking to you up there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, understanding that probably a lot of our listeners are going to sort of be dipping their toes into the into the industry. And a lot of those people come in thinking they want to be directors.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's just the nature of it. And of course, some of them change their minds as they go through and they discover, oh, no, I actually really like cinematography or... I really like to edit. So, um, for those people, what is a director to you? What does it mean to be a director?
2: Uh, you know, I I think, um, film is, film is a team sport. There's a lot of people involved in making a film. Uh, and there's a lot of different departments. And then I think you as a director are in charge of giving all of those departments a cohesive vision so that when they all work together, uh, things turn out well. You know? You need to have your art department and your props having the same, being under the same vision. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, things, you know, don't always look as good. Um, and I think, I think that's what you're doing is you're, you're mm-hmm. the vision of, um, of what, of what, what should be happening, the co- cohesiveness, right? Um, you know, that said, I think being a, being an auteur or film director is very different than being like a, um, a, a TV episode, episodic director, right? Because like, they swap directors all the time and people just like run and gun. You know, you roll in with an established framework, um, established actors, established storylines. You know, you don't really have a lot of creative control over that versus the auteur style and the short film or feature film or indie world. And think you've got a lot more um, creative freedom to like explore and express yourself and really, you know, pick the kind of performances you want right Mm -hmm. um but like i think yeah there's a going back to the one hit die dungeons and dragons uh metaphor for any nerds that are listening i started doing uh i've got a series of memes out there that are like what are your film uh classes or what what is your what is your film job as a dungeons and dragons class (laughs) right so like grips or fighters because you know they do the most damage on set Physical oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, gaffers are clerics because they're masters of holy light and just mm. generally sit around until they're needed right. <laughs> almost as good as a grip but, but when I came to uh, the direct because I was going through all, all the groups right like thieves are like high boom shadow um, <laughs> a, <laughs> but the director I, I, I uh, of course he's a bard. Uh, because he knows a little oh, bit of magic, yes. a little bit of thievery, and a little bit of fighting, but not enough to be useful at any of those. Right, right. Okay. But is the storyteller in yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you just you know a little bit about everything. And right. You just talk to departments and try and, and help them find your vision and, and, and that kind of thing.
1: I like that. That's great. Scott is a dungeon master.
2: Oh,
0: right on. I am a dungeon master. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been doing it for, I actually played Dungeons & Dragons as a kid um, with my dad. And uh, then, of course, I grew up and, and thought that that was nerdy, which was not a thing to be <laughs> in, my, in my teenage wasn't years. It wasn't cool at it that wasn't time. wasn't cool at the yeah. time. And then, uh, I guess about eight years ago, uh, I started up with my family again, and I, I stepped in as the, the dungeon master. And we've been playing for probably seven or eight years now. That's awesome. As a crew. Yeah. It's,
1: what a it's time loved. to be in high school now, though, right? Like, oh, Star Wars is cool? Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe It'd be like... great to be a Yeah. Crazy kid. <laughs> I know. Sure. There's yeah. girls at comic expos. Yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so after Deadwalker, although I
2: like, I just want to say, Stan yeah. Lee came to the Red Deer School Gymnasium, and I got him to sign my Punisher versus oh my God. Wolverine. That's amazing. Awesome. What year? A uh, long time ago. <laughs> he
0: still does that kind of stuff though. Like for does free. He? Well, yeah, for he's free. At, like, yeah, for yeah, free. And I was like correct. Red
1: Deer. That's crazy. <gasps> wow.
2: Jimine- I
1: mean, that's a guy who knows that to value his audience, right? Like he's yeah. he's yeah. always been really in touch. Um, so after
2: Dead Walkers, uh, what 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 did you do after that? After that oh, success? Um, I think I started. So Dead Walkers was really hard on me, as far as I think we spent about a year in post production. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, just you know, dealing with dealing with Red, uh, dealing with the yeah, Red of workflow. course, right.
1: At that time, it was a it was a nightmare, right? Yeah,
2: and you know there were there was um, a new piece of software that come out that would like allow me to link back to the R3D files so I was in, like doing the pro uh, ProRes stuff. And it is just Red One, right? Like it's and right. working with Red One right now, it's like people are it's, it's still pretty frustrating. sometimes yeah. with your you don't it's not it was pretty revolutionary at the time, but like there's you know an Epics. Epic right now. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I, it, t- it took me a long time, and then uh, you know, basically I started uh, Protector Chronicles. I did another project because uh, I was working full time at the time, so I just right. started doing movies, my um, weekends and evenings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did a no budget western called Itchy the Blind Gunman. Um, yeah, that
1: does that ring a bell? I don't know if I've seen that. One. It
2: was a it's a fun little western. I met the the cowboys I met on Deadwalkers. Uh, you know, but then that got stuck in post-production, too, um, just because I, I had this, like, you know, because as a director-editor, I would edit my own stuff. But yeah. I just, you know, when you have a you, when you, the director's vision, you're like, I want this. And then what happens on the day is not exactly what you want. Right. right. So then you've got this conflict of, like, <laughs> oh, it's horrible. It's I horrible. saw something else in my mind. And, and then it's hard to, like, look at it again in a different way. And um, so then Itchy the Blind Gunman sat for a while and Protector Chronicles was sitting for a while and then I did a project with Greg and Jason Long called The Troop. Right. And I did the post-production in like two weeks and I'm like, oh, I get this. And then I just started, and then I just finished Itchy in like a month and I finished, oh, wow. I started right from school. What clicked there? Uh, I don't know. There was just, I, you just have this realization that, like being finished something is better than being perfect. Right. And, right. um, you know you have to move on with stuff right yeah, and then and then protector Connell's came and then yeah, and then we did or oh and the hunt,
1: oh yes, the hunt, yeah, yeah which is hunt, awesome I love right that for them, yeah. too that's great,
2: yeah, and then and then one hit die, and then it's just there's just there's just a bunch that we've done since then, yeah, it, so skull.
1: I mean I, I guess one interesting place to go is is uh, you know, we all, as filmmakers, have that day job. What, what, I know that yours helped you in a, in a major way. Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, I worked at a company called Acne Works Digital Film, and we were archiving for Warner Brothers and Cartoon Network. And, you know, what that gave me the luxury of doing is because uh, um, I didn't really do that much there. Right. <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so, what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. But there's a lot, there's a lot of jobs out there that you... you are, you have to be there? It's not one of those jobs where you're like right incentivized to work. It's right. you know you're there and they really want you there between there between nine and five because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you're not there you must you're not working and, obviously you know, not right. yeah, they're not happens, getting their yeah. money <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. But if yeah. you if you're there between nine and five and your job's done yeah you know you can't really go home. No. So no. I, I would kind of stuck there and then I would use uh, their gear for um, for the, some of the post production. Since then you know things have changed too. Like I mean there's you know my MacBook Pro is like a great way to edit. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm a big fan of Final Cut 10. Um, I am as well. <laughs> yeah, I <actually>. love it. <laughs> it's, it's you know, I, yeah. I, I cut all of, uh, all of um, Legend of Sword on uh, Final Cut 10. Nice, uh, nice. And I'm really excited when I move forward with this other documentary project, I'm going to start uh, just because of its metadata tagging. I think it's going to be a really mm. strong way for mm, me to take, take these like hour long interviews and be able to subdivide them into useful topics and yeah, topics, right. so that when I'm doing my edit, I can just search of by course. topic. Right? Nice.
1: That makes sense. Um, so, how did how did how did that come about? How did how does Warner Brothers use a Canadian company for that kind of thing?
2: Um, you know, I don't like. I think it goes back to uh, the owner of the company mm. who's got the just a who you know thing. It's, or, it's yeah. always who you know, right? Yeah, and. Um, you know, and he could offer his, when he started the company, the dollar was a lot like our dollar. Mm-hmm. So, he would offer straight across, like, this is exactly what you get. And then he makes money off the currency.
1: Oh, okay. Right. So,
2: while all the Hollywood companies start feeling the pinch of, uh, or like Hollywood post-production companies, feel like they've been dying for the last 10 years. Yeah. Just because post productions come down so much in price. um, Cost of post production gear wise has come down in price. The labor is still there, right? So it's hard for them to make money. And you know, if you thought you feel bad when you invested in your ten thousand dollar camera, and two years later it's worth five thousand, yeah. Yeah. Try investing a, like buying a hundred thousand dollar color conversion tool, and then Blackmagic snaps it up. Yeah, (laughs) oh yeah, thousand dollars.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, and they the, the tier next,
2: and we actually had one. Oh yeah. Month. Yeah. It was a, and I think he paid like about a hundred thousand oh dollars for Oh my God. It. Oh, no. And, Arch. and black magic, you can literally buy a tier next for like a thousand bucks right now. Wow.
1: That's crazy. But what, but so what that gave you was access to post-production gear that may, I don't know if it even existed anywhere else in the city yeah. and you had access to it in, in a way that, that nobody else did.
2: SR cams, like all, all the decks. But now again, like we've changed so much, like, in that time period, right? We're now, you know, we used to have this thing called the Blue Arc. It was, I think it was 13 terabytes, cost about half. Uh, Bought 13 terabytes, 99 spindles. It was uh, about
0: $100,000, $150,000 $150, $1. for 13 terabytes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. But 99 yeah.
2: spindles is, that means there's 99 hard drives right. for running that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So All right. the, the the read and write speeds off of that were ridiculous. I'm sure, I'm sure. Like, and it would it would be our, our entire office, right? Right. Four solid editors working off this one workstation. Right, stage. wow. But I mean, you know, I could buy a promise rate for like five grand. Right. It's got like, you know, 32 terabytes. Yeah. That said, I'm looking at, you know, shooting this documentary in 4K, but suddenly I'm like, oh my God, ProRes HQ 4K? Like, what, that's like, you know, uh, what is it, uh, three hours on one terabyte? I mean, if Ugh. I want to do like you know thirty forty 40 wow. of yeah. interviews, suddenly so I'm like. <coughs> yeah. how, how do you manage footage at that level? Yeah. Well, but, you know, so it's 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 you know, to, so things have changed a lot, right? Yeah. What were what I was working when I was there? that's so such good gear at the time, but again, in the last ten years, there has been a huge shift in post production, and it's all come down in price, right? You know. And well,
0: it, the iPhone shoots four K now. Yeah,
2: I mean. And it's it, it's it's a great little it's a great little camera and a great little video yeah
0: um, so but where did the, where I did I shot the...
2: Sugar Skull man in, with GoPros oh really yeah because uh, I wanted to shoot three D so I, I shot the whole thing with stereoscopic some oh, GoPros cool cool interesting um, but it looks really good outdoors yeah right? oh, it does like yeah. It's oh for sure yeah
0: camera. we shot well, uh, some stuff on GoPros too and it's, it's gorgeous it does a great yeah. job yeah, yeah. yeah it's a it's a nice little camera
2: cameras aren't your uh, aren't are aren't your uh, like, there are, if you want to shoot something, you can buy a $300 camera today and it'll look amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's, it's not a, the barrier to entries that it once was. It's sure. finding good stories and good talent. Totally. And again, totally. Yeah. Good crew and a yeah. uh, team of people to work with.
1: So where did all the, the effects skills come from?
2: Did you Are you self-taught in all, in all that stuff? I'm pretty much self-taught. Wow. Um, you know, and I'm not that good. I know enough to get by. My, my problem is, I had this like massive claim suite at the office, yes. And again, that was uh, you know, it's a half million dollar piece of software, but I learned on that, right? So I uh, so I have a lot of those skills, but then I don't have that anymore, right? So I go into After Effects and I like, I know what I'm doing, I know what to do as far as compositing. I'm just like, where's that button? <laughs> but yeah. it's a different beast, Why yeah. don't I have nodes? What's going on, <laughs> right? <Layers>? Oh. <laughs>
1: Oh, I but one. it is After Effects that you're using for things like uh, One Hit Die. Yeah, I, I
2: outsourced a bunch of this. I had three people I worked with. Okay. Jack Evage, um a guy named Jesse, and Mitch Branny. Oh, cool. Um, just because uh, you know this, the Legend of the Lord I mean, we I wrote that in February, and it's going to screen at the end of September. Yeah. So it's quick, yeah. It's it's just it's just been a really quick turnaround, um, which is great because I'm I'll be I'll be done it and I can move on to like other projects. Um,
0: didn't you shoot it in like 10 days
2: yeah we shot 10 days 10
0: days yeah. that's crazy
2: 24 hours of footage oh uh, my gosh. Two camera.
0: and you, phil bowen was your cinematographer right yeah yeah he was telling us about it what you, and you shot on the black magic two black magic oh, pockets. pockets yeah
2: yeah that's yeah. great it looks pretty good the the moray moray More, More got <laughs> to us a little bit on some, okay. of the, some, mm. of the, some just some minor costume pieces like a zipper here and there oh yeah, yeah. and uh but other than that, it was great. Yeah, Phil, Phil, was, Phil knocked it out of the park, but like the last day, I think, you know, we were, you know, it's episode 10. It's our final episode or the final, final battle scenes. And um, Matt Babnick came to me after the shoot and was just like, I've, you broke my record for, he was our script supervisor, yeah. for a number of setups in a given day. Wow. Um, what was the number? Do you remember? Uh, he didn't give me an exact number, but he's, he's like, it's over 100.
0: <laughs> over 100 setups in a day.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Bill Bowen like because I mean, I guess... we we started losing light and then it was like, you know, turn this it, direction, shoot it this. Then yeah. no time. But we had yeah. we had Adrian Young who uh, was our stunt coordinator who had already been working with the the cast. So shooting the fight scenes was like they were so timed perfectly. Oh, good. Good. Um, Julia Orton and uh, Jeff Oplinick were just like amazing, like these elaborate fight scenes. And I'm just like, run it again. That looks great. And it'll be like the same way every every time. Wow, perfect. Change yeah. angles. And but like, yeah, Phil's eyes. I he was just like, you know, deer in the headlights. <laughs> so we're like, okay, next shot. Let's so set her up. Just kind of like keep going. Just get it, yeah. Pushing harder, and uh, you know, because it's our it's our last shooting day. There's no, we'll do that tomorrow. There's no budget yeah, to yeah. bring everyone back. Yeah. No one wants to come back. Yeah, you know, <laughs> after, that point, t- yeah. after ten days, yeah. like everyone's like, "Oh, just leave me alone." Well. Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, we could do a whole podcast on Kickstarter and, and crowdfunding, but I know you did some of that for for One Hit Die. Can you go into that? Yeah, I did. Is, that, is that what you is that where you started, or did you no, shoot I, something I first?
2: I started with uh, um, an Alberta Foundation the Arts grant. Okay, uh, and I, you know, I had this, I had this idea in my head. Sometimes I get a little too carried away with my ideas. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to launch this as a four-part web series. It's going to be a huge smash and success. So right during our launch, we're going to launch Kickstarter, do another season because they have another whole other branch of ideas. I was just right. ready to go. Right. And like we did really well, on like not really well, we really well on our first week. But again, we just kind of like fell off the radar. It was really hard to like get people interested in. Right, again. yeah. Um, but the Kickstarter was already running. Right. So like. So sorry, you, know, you, 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 you were releasing on a weekly schedule? No, I released it all in one day. Except rookie. for the first episode, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm a rookie. So well, never release all in one day. Well, who, who knows? But I, wow, the, that's, that's good, the good to know. That's yeah. that's though. That's that's working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, there's there's a different like there's a difference of opinion that like when you watch everything in one day and like binge watch, yeah, you don't actually retain. Mm. Like it's a fun experience, sure. But like when you're like you know like oh what happened? Whereas you know on a weekly schedule like Game of Thrones, like they released the first Game of Thrones on online, but I'm like I don't want I don't want to watch it. I like. I like having it doled out in little chunks. Right, gives
1: and you time to process. Yeah, it. exactly.
2: Yeah, and that anticipation, waiting for the next episode, and not being able to have it, I think is uh, is good. And it, and again, having those moments like when Legend of the Lich Lord does go online, like I think um, Talos just wants to put it out there all at once. Yeah, um, because there's cliffhangers. I want I want people to have a discussion about. It after the episode right, rather right. than it, it, yeah. binge watching all the way through sure and I think
0: that uh, that's interesting because I think people want they may not think that they want to wait but they do and the reason I say that is because this last season of Game of Thrones the first four episodes were leaked yes, before yes. the season started that's right and and nobody I know uh, obtained those episodes to watch them because you want to be part of that discussion you want to be part of that well that's event we, yeah event. I mean Twitter has made it like now we all want to talk about it live right yeah
2: I like going in Monday morning to the office, you know, and everyone yeah. everyone watched the same show the night before. Totally, yeah, you yeah, know, for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. And you you just don't get that same event experience when it is all released at one time. It just feels like okay, it's available. Kind of watch it whenever you want. Yeah, you lose the urgency. Yeah, yeah.
2: And now it's like oh, oh, I'm watching Daredevil. I'm like, oh, what episode are you on? When we think mm. that yeah, exactly. What, what yeah, they just all happened? Together. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did, yeah. Did this happen yet? Like, <laughs> oh no. What? What are you <laughs> really?
1: Although, here's an interesting uh, I watched uh, I was catching up with um, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. And so I was binge watching seasons. And then I caught up to where they were airing and I had to watch week by week. And then I started to realize that that show's not as good as I thought it was. So it was actually kind of hiding some of the plot holes and some of the some of the mistakes they were making. Uh, and then when I had time to really think about it, I was like, "Oh, they're actually, you know, this isn't as brilliant as I thought it was." Yeah. Um, it's a great show, but it was. Uh, I I've
2: been watched. Uh, I binge watched um, Breaking Bad, like oh yeah. up until oh season four. So I had the first three seasons, I was one of those people that saw it on Netflix, watched all of it, and then I got right to season four, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like in every episode, right. it was like Nail biting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I watched Breaking Bad from the start week to week, and and I hated it. I hated it because of how, like, how much that show leaves you hanging. Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have binge watched it, but it was for me Game of Thrones. I caught up uh, in the first three seasons, yeah, and that was great—a really nice experience. And now it's like, ugh. yeah, but it's it's cool; it's great. I
2: know, and you know, I can't wait for the next season. Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's fun. So, and the the other thing, if anyone else out there is thinking about releasing online, um, as, as far as web series goes, I think it is more important to do it. Singularly, because on Netflix, someone can binge watch, but you know, where you're on YouTube, you don't really have a high rate of discovery. Right. Every time you put out a new episode, it's another chance for people to discover. Right. So if you put it out over ten days, it's ten days of people having a chance to discover. Right. Right. And and be talking about something, as opposed to, um, you know, one day all in one shot because that really blows. Away, a lot of your ability to talk about stuff, right? Like you know, if you consider yourself a content provider, right? You just throw it all out there. What do you have left? Right. You know,
1: you want to do a slow burn and, and keep people jumping on board. Yeah. Interesting. Um. So the first season was four episodes. Yeah. Okay. And then and then how did you get to season two? Well, the Christmas special, I guess. How yeah. did how did that come about?
2: Uh, you know, we didn't uh the Indiegogo we didn't do as well as I'd hoped. Okay. Uh, I think we only raised a couple thousand bucks. So, um, but because I, I had a full time job at the time, I right. threw some of my own money in there, and uh, like I said, I never do. Hmm. But we did. We repurposed the monster from the hunt. Right. I wrote what happened was I wrote a really funny, what I thought was funny, Crushmas special. Uh-huh. And We didn't have Phil Burke, but I had him biting a gelatinous boob behind a door, which him. was brilliant. So, how did you do that?
1: You had him call in or something? I, I made
2: him like I made him hide under a blanket with uh-huh. his cell phone. <laughs> Sweet, and then just recorded it. <laughs> that's awesome. So, but he was like, "Cause it get good acoustics under the blanket." Right,
1: right, right. Well, and that's that's a good question. So, did you meet him through Hell on Wheels, or how did that?
2: Uh, my producer, one of my producers, Emily Renner Wallace, um, and she's off my first AD. Mm-hmm. Um, was working on the show. Yeah, she was working okay. on the show, and okay. uh, Phil Burke was like, um, "Oh, so what are you what are you working on, Emily?" Emily was saying, "Well, I'm working on uh, this this project," and then uh, he's like, "Oh my god, I totally played the <laughs> d That's sweet. I want to be a part you of it. He loved it. it. Oh, awesome. yeah. Fair it was enough. just like, and he came on board. He was great. Like, you know, um, and he's he's really great this season too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And did you just shoot with him on weekends? Is that how you?" when he was not working on hell and wheels or his schedule, he's just not working every day. You kind of we tried
2: to schedule his stuff on weekends. Okay. Like, you know, I think one of the, one of the fun, one of the things we did was, uh, I split the party in season two so that, we're, uh. so that I can work with different people on different days. Right. And we just try and, you know, manage, uh, a proper schedule. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that the people who, who scheduled, we do know, uh, they could work on, like, the Monday and Tuesday. Gotcha. And, like, and then and Phil's, like, Saturday, Sunday. And occasionally there'd be, like, a Friday or something where we'd be like, so you working? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that actually happened. And then he ended up not working just because Helen yeah. they they the schedule all the schedule. Right. That's how it goes. Yeah. So, then we had him on Friday. We're like, okay, great. Nice, nice. Yeah. didn't have a rush yesterday. That's
1: great. So, uh, so tell me about. So, so, it was the season one, then the Christmas special, yeah. and, and then season two when Telus was like, we want to see more of this. Yeah. Can you do more? Yeah,
2: yeah I, I applied for. Uh, they have a community grant.
1: Well, Char- I guess Sharkosaurus is what's in there in the middle, right? Right. Yeah. Is that sure. how you started your kind of relationship with Telus?
2: Actually, you know, I started it before. I actually gave them. Because, again, when I talk about like. Um, you know, One Hit Dive was already online, no one would ever pay for it. So, I actually, I actually like. Uh, emailed TELUS app and was like, hey, look, I've got this content. Um, would you care to host it on your tell us video on demand service? Right. Uh, for free. Um, you know, and uh, because when I, again, when I look at it, what I want is, what'll make, when I die go further is finding an audience. Finding a group of people that care about this production right. and want to see more of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I think that's, you know, finding that audience is, is what, I'm always trying to do is. Um, so, Tell Us was a great way to do that. And then they launched their Story Hive initiative, which which we uh, pitched Sharkasaurus at one. Right. Um, at that point, I was, you know, I think we, uh, I'm into over delivering. So, I think we had like Sharkasaurus and then we had like five different behind the scenes videos. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. That was great. And, yeah.
2: And just tons of stills. And like, it was hard because, you know, that was another one we had to put more money in and no one got paid. Right. But we were up Drum Heller and it's a long drive so we all, we stayed overnight you know it's just one of those things like yeah. you know by the time we built sharkosaurus <laughs> it's pretty expensive
1: was that a uh,
2: was that with um the same team that did the monster from the hunt yeah yeah uh well it was it was some of the same people but not the same company okay cool so bleeding arts was behind the monster from right. the hunt right and crushmas um brandon ellen was one of the sculptors who worked on the monster from the hunt okay cool. so he was uh and he's in Dubai now, working on X Men Two. I think. Whoa! I know it's cool. Cool. What a jerk! I know. Um, <laughs> so, what is what is Just a quick rundown of it. Uh, creationist versus paleontologist versus Charcosaurus: the epic battle of Drumheller. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 it's. Uh, I really I really like Sharkasaurus. He's a he's a clever little monster. We're uh, we're doing pretty good at the festivals right now, despite it being online. Um, uh yeah, we just played. I think Dragon Con. Um, oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. Cool. Every now and again, I get like I get like an email from a programmer who'll be like, "Hey, by the way, we don't win awards, but the, we just go like email and be like, Hey, I was in the I was in the screening when it showed.' Had them rolling in the aisles. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? It's a horror movie. What are <laughs> you doing? <ro-?"> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know because it's it's uh some of the visual effects are uh, a little campy to be to be sure, but um you know like I, was, like I say if you can tell a good story people will um, lighten up about the visual effects and right. quality. Sure, yeah it doesn't look like it's CG it doesn't look like it's, it makes
1: it charming in it, many ways it's part of
2: it yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and I think but again I think the story is what, what really counts right. like looking at this you know the the, um, the duality between the creationist and paleontologist and just their ability to uh, come together at the end is, is really what it's yeah, all about yeah. yeah for sure they're all they're united in something they right. find out what they're united in and like yeah I'm, I'm, I've am uh, i written a treatment of it as well it was, uh, for like a larger for area. a feature oh, oh, cool. well you know I want to do a graphic novel oh sweet they're never going to let me do what I want to do in the future <laughs> right right so I figured a graphic novel if I can find an artist a graphic novel would be a great way to like tell my story the way I want to see it and then yeah. and then let budgets you know dictate sure what what, what you
0: can happen. do yeah yeah so
1: after that, TELUS was like, "Hey, let's do more One Head Die." Is that? No,
2: nope. again, I applied through community grant. Okay. Uh, so they they offer um, community grants, and Tellus uh, does. Yeah. Oh, okay. So and you can apply for them. Um, uh, yeah, and that's, and they uh, I think they, they I think they saw what I did with uh, Sharkosaurus, mm-hmm. and uh, they are already were aware of One I Die, so right. I think it seemed to them it would be a good fit.
1: Good fit. Great. Yeah. Wow. So awesome. So you did it, yeah. And and and
2: you said ten days of shooting. Ten days and new characters, right? Quite a few new new characters. New characters. Yeah, Um, yeah, we like twenty-five hours of footage. I mean, like it was uh, like a hundred-page script. We were shooting like ten-page days. Um, Wow. So, but uh, we got it done, and you know. And so it's. I think you told me the other at at, that CSF party
1: back way back when. Eighty minutes of finished footage is where you're. uh, Eighty-six. Eighty-six. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah.
2: That's it's, awesome. It's what it's cut and, I, and there's deleted scenes too.
1: So it was shooting a feature for, well, you, you cut a feature out of it, uh, a feature in 10 days. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's and then posting
2: in like two months. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, man. That's great. Yeah, that is it's I'm awesome. Tired. I'm tired. Really, yeah, I, I, bet, really, I bet. I'm really, I'm really tired. But, uh, you know, we're just, you know, going back, there was something that, you know, just finishing things and knowing, holding on to what's important when it comes to the story. Yeah. Um, just allows you to like to push forward right. even though you know it's not exactly as you pictured it mm-hmm. you look at it and you're like there's still something charming about it and i was really blessed with uh um blessed <laughs> no I was, I was really you know uh we've got some amazing performers cool and you know the best part about working um with this like this look, it as a series is that every season we get better like when we came back for christmas like uh the characters were just like right on each other. And now it's just the performance level is so solid. Yeah. So, and we shoot two cameras and we have a forgiving documentary style. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, you know, we can, we can roll with the punches. Mm. We can get what we need to get and move on. And again, there's, there's some, there's some cheesy campy effects like the magic toboggan scene. Ah. Um, You know, which in my head looks like the speeder race on Endor, but, uh, um, I'm sure it looks exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't quite have their budget, <laughs> right? So, but I, but it's 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 really fun, and um, you know I've got a lot of got a lot of positive feedback on it. So, can
1: you share what the budget was, or, or is that? I'll say under a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, well, so, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, cool. So now, so what's next?
2: Uh, so what? what's next is uh, I applied for another TELUS community grant and I've been given my dream project which I started oh so long ago the first the, one you mentioned the, the yeah so right now it's going to be it's called Alberta it's a history of Alberta beers and I think what um, you know I'm not trying to do as big as as I wanted to do I'm actually trying to do a smaller one but I think by focusing on, on a smaller documentary idea I can explore larger themes right um I'm really calling it Alberta or Alberta, our beer story, mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to use social media again to connect with the audience before, while I'm shooting, because what I'd like to do is have people tell me their stories and like have a chance to become a part of the documentary. So we're just we're just getting ready to launch this week, um, part of the craft craft beer uh, it's craft beer week starting mm-hmm, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Big Rock's 30th, 30th anniversary is on a Saturday, so uh, it's my chance to go and introduce myself to some of the brewers. Yeah, cool. But again, look at not just uh, the brewers as people, but like look at trying to get them involved in making it, like almost crowdsourcing the research aspect of it. Because there are stories that are out there, I'm sure. Right. Of people, you know, maybe a grandfather who remembers something about the Calgary brewing and malting. Right. You know, or you know, and trying to find these stories and ideas. You know, and get again build an audience. Um, you know, they have that. There's a triangle about like do, the filmmaker, the audience, and the subject when it comes to documentary. And I just want to implode those onto social media and and, and just try and build something um, together with everyone.
1: Interesting, cool. We'll see if it works. I don't yeah, know. yeah. It's, it's an experiment for sure. It's for sure. And and you're wearing a, a rogue hat, right?
2: Shh, shh, it's not local. <laughs> oh, never mind. Never mind. There was there was no. a, there was a, there was a time I. Uh, I was like, okay, Spencer, maybe you have a problem because all my T-shirts are either like film festival T-shirts, right, yeah. or beer T-shirts, right. I'm like, it's pretty. It's a pretty narrow selection. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should go buy some like some, <laughs> some actual some T-shirts. For yeah, like Didn't I get get her a, a swoosh <laughs> on it maybe. Just, just, I'm a, I'm a hobo filmmaker. I get all my t-shirts for free. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: what? Uh, but what is the connection that do you do you know? So do you have some friends that are brewers, or or do you? Yeah. No, do you for do sure. it?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, I've been researching this for a, like a long time, um, and I've shot a bunch of stuff with like different like, with interviews with different brewmasters um, all over uh, BC and Alberta because um, I've tried. Like I said, I've I've shot a couple teasers for this before. Um, I've also, uh, you know, I've kind of fallen out of it a little bit simply because like I used to be considered myself a beer activist. Oh. i go to parties and like leave random IPAs in people's fridges. <laughs> and, like, That's awesome. Yeah. Like, try to spread the gospel. Spread it. Yeah, yeah. But like, but we're at a point right now where I don't need to do that. Right. Like there's just everybody's like, I don't go in, like I, I go into a, a restaurant when I first got to Calgary and I'd be like, you know, so do you have Big Rock on tap? And, I get no. Yeah. And now I go into a restaurant and I'm like, what IPA do you have on tap? Because mm, right. everyone's, you know. Yeah. And that's how much things have changed in like 5 Good. or 6 years. Yeah, well. You so, did it. Why well, no? No, <laughs> no, no, no. But but and the documentary is going to be about like the history of beer a little bit and then the the, the Renegades that like changed it, right? Like Ed McNally and Brewster's, and Alley Cap. Mm, yeah. And, and look at that. And then the third part is going to be about where we are now with Olds Beer College, and all, oh. all this stuff. So cool. it's like, it's a evolution, a beer history. That's our, great. Our, our beer story. <laughs> I love it. Uh,
1: well, I hope we can keep checking in with you on that as as you progress with it because it's, a, I like it because it's an Alberta story and we're Alberta focused. So well, Sure. It's just um, go to
2: Alberta, alberta.com and all right. you can jump on the Facebook group and like, I, uh, like, I've included a budget for social media this time, so we'll be updating as as, even nice. as we do our interviews and, and, and just sharing facts with people as well. Great. So, again, we're really trying to, like, focus on the community aspect of this.
1: Awesome. Know? Awesome. Great. How's our time right now?
2: I think
0: we've hit it. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Well, well, we'll have to get into some more of the... Uh, you asked a great question about directing, and I'd love to chat with you more about that as a craft, but you, I guess you got to hit it. Cool. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well thank you so much for joining us and, and being so open. It's great to to hear about your, your journey. <laughs> thank you.
2: Thank you so yeah. much for having me on. I really yeah, appreciate yeah. this. Of I course. hope this goes well. Please uh, please let me know when it when it goes. Uh, of yeah, of course, course, of course. We'll start on
1: the and... Oh awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was Spencer Esther Brooks. Awesome dude. I love that guy. He was a lot of fun. And, and a um,
0: great beard if you if you can't see him <laughs> yes, ever. Yes. Yeah. For sure.
1: Uh, So that's uh, that's that part of the podcast. We're gonna have somebody new every time and maybe it'll be a workshop or a panel or something Um, But usually it's gonna be that kind of an interview and then we're gonna launch right into dates and deadlines Uh, And we'll do that now. So the filmmaking exhibit is uh, in High River is opening. This is kind of cool This is pretty fresh news an upcoming exhibit at the Museum of of, of the Highwood in High River, will focus on the storied history behind attending movies throughout the decades, as well as those films shot and produced in southern Alberta. Just as the curtain finally opens on the exhibit uh, on location, Film in the Foothills, it's called, on October 24th, residents are invited to uh, attend the public opening celebration, which starts at 1 p.m. on the same day. Uh, You can learn more uh, in an article from the High River Times, written by Kevin Rushworth. I've got a link to that in the show notes. Uh, just missed the Story Hive deadline. Story Hive is an awesome program that if you haven't heard about, you're, you're being silly because it's a great way to find some, some great funding for your project, but it does involve building your audience. And that's what you're going to see now is a bunch of filmmakers who've been working hard on their applications. Now they're going to be vying for your votes and building their audiences uh, to win $10,000 to make their short film.
0: Yeah, so if you're on social media, get ready to get inundated <laughs> yes, with requests yes. to vote, but do uh, save your votes. Don't vote, don't mm-hmm. blow it all on one, one project. Yeah. Um, spread the love out a little bit because you're also voting for uh, Calgary or Edmonton as well. And you're voting for um, hopefully your friends. And of course, you're voting for the program to continue existing. So engagement is what uh, TELUS is hoping for here. Uh, so let's give it to them. Yeah,
1: and Spencer's um, Sharkosaurus was a Story Hive winner. Right. Um, so, workshops coming up in the Alberta area acting for screenwriters and directors. This is an interesting workshop uh, being provided by Fava in Edmonton. It's happening uh, on October 19th to November 30th um, on Monday nights. And uh, it's all about uh, moving from one side of the camera to the other. So, if you're a, a writer or a director, uh, I, I guess it's all about deepening your understanding of the complexities of the acting process. Uh, and kind of putting yourself in the shoes of your actors and helping you uh, learn how to communicate with them a little
0: bit better. It sounds kind of cool. Uh, other workshops? Yeah, in Calgary, uh, the CSIF is hosting a basic camera workshop on October 24th uh, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, that instructor will be Philip Letourneau, who is the uh, the craft and technical uh, instructor at sate Polytechnic. Um, he probably knows more about cameras than any living human. Totally. Uh, so he, he, he's great to teach this. Uh, and if you want to get into cinematography or camera operation, this is probably the workshop for you to, uh, to get your feet wet. So that's uh, $200 for CSIF members, $245 for non-members, and you can check this out at CSIF's website. Uh, Ampia is also hosting a workshop called Becoming a Storypreneur, Digital Marketing for Screen Media. So it's a 10 week online course that will give you the knowledge, skills, and processes to create a comprehensive digital marketing business and distribution plan. This is really important for filmmakers and probably somewhere, uh, an area that most of us are lacking in, Mm -hmm. Uh, but of course we should be a marketing machine as much as we are a filmmaking machine. So this is a program that you can take at your leisure or join the live weekly online meetings and presentations. Completing the advanced weekly exercises will help you create all the components you need uh, for a comprehensive digital strategy. You will also receive feedback from your instructor and benefit from the shared learning of your cohorts. There is a link to that as well uh, in the show notes.
1: Another uh, TELUS-involved project, uh, which is great, they're they're providing so much great funding to filmmakers, is the Herland Video Production Workshop, or Herland, I guess. Uh, Eight emerging filmmakers will have the opportunity to pursue their creative vision and tell a personal story with a short film. Uh, established industry mentors will guide participants through story development, screenwriting, camera operation, lighting, directing, editing, and proposal writing, which is very important, in order to complete a three to five minute film, which will be screened to a public audience on March uh, in March of 2016. Uh, submission deadline is coming right up October 22nd, so uh, definitely hit up the show notes for a link to some more information on that. I believe that is just for the
0: ladies, though. Yeah, uh, so if you are uh, a new filmmaker and you have yet to be on a film set uh, and you're starting to kind of look for a job uh, on a proper set, something that you're going to hear a lot is uh, something called set etiquette and protocol. So this is a course, uh, it's a one-day course that you need to take before you can get on any union show. And for the most part, non-union shows kind of hope that you have it as well. It's just the basics of what, what a film set is, how it operates, what everyone is doing, um, and if you're getting into it, what you will likely be doing as a production assistant. So that's called Set, Etiquette, and Protocol, uh, and there's one happening this Saturday at Grant McHughen in Edmonton, October 17th. Uh, there's also another one in Calgary on November 21st at Mount Royal. So it's about $100 bucks, uh, and definitely should take that if you have an interest in the film industry and what it is. So check out Grant McHewan's website or Mount Royal's website for more information on that. Uh, Mount Royal is also hosting something called the Film Production Assistant Workshop uh, on November 7th. That's just a little bit more expensive. It's about 120 bucks. Uh, and this is how, discovering how to be the ideal production assistant. To get the information you need for this entry level position in the film industry. The workshop examines what is expected of, of a PA and prepare and gives you preparation blah, for the extreme demands of film production. Matt, did you ever take this one? Uh,
1: I never, I never have, but you did. I did. I took yeah. this
0: one. Yeah, um, it was. I took set etiquette and protocol it was the first sort of, sort of film course that I ever took. Yeah, uh, and then I took this film production assistant workshop, and that uh, scared me a little bit um, because I think it. it Kind of shines a light on the pressures mm-hmm. uh, that you face on a film yeah. set. And if you're not familiar with a film set, if you've never been on a film set before, um, they're very quiet uh, and very, sometimes very tense if people are running behind schedule um, and certainly very intimidating. Um, but of course, as you get your feet wet and you get into it a little bit more, uh, you start to understand how fun it is. And as you start to meet people and make friends, uh, it's probably the best place to be in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Film sets are awesome.
1: I remember. Being on, on a on the set of Wild Roses and uh, remembering my my set etiquette and protocol training, which said don't look at actors after they come off off. A scene, like right out of a scene, which sounds like, oh, you know, fancy actors being, you can't even make eye contact with them. But it's actually a really good tip because actors are are pretty vulnerable people and they're coming right out of a scene and they're feeling like everyone's judging them and and looking at them and having a facial expression of any kind. They might read into that and feel self-conscious. You never know. So it's not a diva thing necessarily. It is actually good advice.
0: Yeah, and there are there are a lot of really important rules covered in these workshops. Like if if a piece of equipment is not in your department, do not touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and things that you might you might if you haven't taken these courses think that you're being helpful uh, when in fact the opposite is true. For sure. And of course the cardinal rule, which is respect the location. Um, so you'll learn a lot of awesome stuff in those programs. Definitely recommend you take them. Uh, job opportunities. Uh, Bleeding Art Industries in Calgary is hiring an administrative and sales assistant. Uh, This is a full-time salaried position with an amazing Calgary production company. Uh, They focus on special effects, fabrication, and makeup, as well as uh, their own stuff. They've actually done some cool stop-motion animation um, stuff called Skeleton Girl, so you should definitely check that out. Yeah, they do a ton of really cool stuff. That'd be a cool job. Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably kind of the the Pixar of Calgary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like they're, they're a super creative, for sure. Fun and, like, company. Cutting edge 3D stuff. Coming yeah, for sure. Them, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then they just do the best makeup. Um, actually, Spencer's monster from the hunt. Yes. Uh, was made by bleeding arts. That's right.
1: So, and, uh, and he did another one. We just mentioned it. Did you say the hunt? Also, yeah. The hunt. Uh, the
0: Christmas special. Yeah, Crushmas, Kr- which Krushmas was the same, Christmas. the same same beast. Yeah, re- repackaged her. Um, yeah, so if you're looking for work uh, in the effects department, this is a great way to get your foot in the door. So for more information, visit bleedingartindustries.com. And I'll say that more clearly, bleedingartindustries.com.
1: Nice. So that's
0: it. Uh,
1: if we got anything wrong or missed something, definitely let us know. We'll probably have a, a corrections section in the next a podcast. Uh, but if you have an idea for a podcast, or if you're a filmmaker and you want to get in touch, uh, definitely give us a shout at hello at abfilmcast.ca. And be sure to check the show notes for all of the info we've been mentioning below. It's going to have uh, links to everything we've talked about. And that's going to be something to look at every
0: every episode. That's where all all the resources are. Uh, and the final piece, of course, is to please tell your friends, family, and anybody you know with an interest in Alberta's film ministry or becoming a filmmaker uh, about this podcast. So we're a grassroots podcast. Uh, and, of course, we're trying to grow and get as many ear holes filled with this knowledge as we can. Um, so we really appreciate the, your word of mouth. Um, the end. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say before you
1: go, uh, before we go, that you're going on a six-week vac, not vacation, but trip.
0: It's <laughs> yeah. going to be work. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going backpacking through Southeast Asia. Yeah, States yeah, and, yeah. And I- so we're going to miss
1: your voice, uh, but I'm glad you, you're on the first episode, and we'll definitely be co-hosting as soon as you're returning. Uh, but I, it'll just be my voice for a little while. Um, uh, but but we're looking forward to having you back. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it. Make sure to like us uh, on Facebook and follow us and, and subscribe on iTunes. And, oh, you know what? Review. That's what the, that's what the podcasters always say at the end is review the podcast, just give us a five star rating because because we're we, we're working really hard, damn it. Um, no, give us whatever rating you feel is is good. Apparently, that's really important to be found on lists and and like get on, on the charts and stuff. So, a rating on iTunes would be really appreciated. Um, and that's it. Yep. Go make something. Do we say that together? Or no. We can say it together. <laughs> All right, let's say it. one, right. two, three. Go, Go make, make something. something.
2: Nice.